are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. We'll start with the text in, um, in Psalm 33, Psalm 33, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, uh, and the people that who He has chosen for His own inheritance. You mean that God is a God of nations and not just of individuals? Yes. You mean God is a God of governments, of kings and presidents and congresses and parliaments and of armies and navies? Yes. And so blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I turn also in Romans. In chapter 13, and we read a few verses, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Governments, yes, the scripture says, The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and he, as rivers of water he turneth it with us wherever he will. And the Bible plainly tells that God raised up Nebuchadnezzar, and God called uh, King Cyrus, world emperor, and said, My servant. And so God does rule nations. The powers that be are ordained of God, and he resists, whosoever therefore resists the power resists the ordinance of God, that they shall receive, those that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Uh, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. He says, I thought the preacher is the minister. He's a minister of the gospel, and Mayor Westbrook is the minister of the government. And uh, a police officer who's on alert, and so he had to leave. He couldn't stay as he'd like to have done. But he is a minister of God, a uh, minister of government and to us. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. If thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to shoot wrath on him that doeth evil. So when a man's convicted in the courts and is given the death penalty and the switch is pulled and he goes out to meet God at the hand of the government, it is at the hand of God. The man that acts for the government acts for God. He is the minister of God. He bears not the sword in vain, the Scripture said. He's to execute wrath on those that do evil. Wherefore, you must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For this cause pay ye tribute also, or taxes. For they are God's ministers, continually upon this very thing. Now, I can put up with Mayor Westbrook as the minister of God, <laughs> but you're going to have to put up a tax collector, too, as the minister of God. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor is due, and so on. All right, now here we start with the basis of, uh, I'm asking as we pray, uh, America back to God. America back to God. Now God deals with nations, and uh, you say, what are we to do with it? A lot more to do than you might suppose. In Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30, the Lord said, Israel's gone into captivity. Uh, it seemed helpless. For God said, I sought for a man to stand in the gap, and there was none. And since God didn't have anybody to come with raging and denunciation of sin and warning, calling people back to God and to pray all night and day and call the people to fasting and prayer and repentance, 
since God didn't have a man to stand in the gap, then captivity came to the country and to the land. Uh, you remember the story, don't you, in uh, uh, Genesis 18? Uh, God came to see Abraham, and uh, uh, Abraham said, Now, Lord, uh, let me kill a calf, and we'll have some veal steaks, and you wait. And, and Sarah made some little cakes of unleavened bread also. And under the oak of uh, uh, there in uh, that country, they'll show you an oak now, centuries old. Dr. Bill, it may not be the same one, but it's in the same area. It might have been. And there God said, and when he went away, he said, I can't go without telling Abraham what I'm going to do. He said the angels who brought such reports of Sodom and Gomorrah, I'm going to have to destroy. And I'll tell Abraham. And Abraham said, but wait, Lord, there's Lot down there now. What about Lot? He wouldn't destroy the righteous with the good. And he said, no. Well, he said, now, Lord, wait. Maybe, maybe he, if he's gotten down there, if he's got 50 people saved, if there's 50 righteous, will you spare the city? It's wonderful that, uh, that Abraham knew that God would sometimes let one man stand for many, a righteous man. You know, he said, yes, I would. But wait, he said, now, Lord, Lot's very busy. He's making so much money. Maybe there'll be 45. Would you spare it for 45 righteous? Yes, I would. He said, would you spare it for 40? He said, yes, I would. He said, Lord, don't be angry. Would you spare it for 30? He said, yes, I would. He said, would you spare it if there are only 20? And yes, he said, I would. Well, now, let's see. You know, uh, Lot's so busy, and he's a little worried. He's not a very good, warm Christian. Maybe he didn't win anybody but his own family. Let's say there's Lot and his wife, and the three married daughters and their husbands, and these two single daughters. If there's ten, if he's got ten righteous people, you spare the city? He said, yes, I would. But there were not ten, not even Lot's own wife, and not the family. And so destruction must come. But wait a minute. <laughs> the angel came and spent the night, and they said, Now, get out of this place. God's going to destroy it. And, the, well, a lot of little slow. He went around to see all the sons-in-law and said, Up, get out. The destruction's coming. He like one that mocked to the poor wicked men, his sons-in-law. And the angel said, Hurry up and get out of here. We can't do anything at all till we get you out. But God wouldn't let them destroy the righteous man with the other. But what I want you to see is that if, there, if Lot had gotten ten righteous people, his own family and his own servants, uh, God would have given the whole town a chance and four cities there. Uh, Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, and Zeboim that were destroyed could have been spared if there had been ten Christian people with the power of God to pray and intercede. And so... Uh, like leaven in the meal is a picture of evil spreading through. There is a sense in which sometimes one man has enough influence with God to stave off judgment on a city. And so now I'm talking to you because we ought to have in America raise up a generation of godly people with old-fashioned family altar in the home and godly and great preaching in the pulpit and and devoted living from house to house and winning souls. Maybe God will just spare America from the doom that comes to wicked countries for their sin. Now I come to the bulk of the message. And uh, first of all, I want you to consider the great Christian heritage of America. You say, Christian? Yes. Well, someone says there ought to be no connection with church and state. You've got the thing wrong. And the liberals, uh, Warren Supreme Court, had it wrong. 
and that wicked Jezebel, Madeline O'Hare, that took the thing court so you couldn't have any uh, organized prayer or Bible reading in the school. She had it wrong. Not good American. No, no. For America has a Christian heritage. That doesn't mean that everybody has to be Christian. When Israel was God's chosen nation, particularly, it didn't mean everybody in the nation served God, but the nation was officially on God's side. Uh, so a group of people met together. God the people. Where did it come from? Yonder came a group from the Mayflower. A little bit of a sailing vessel, long time. They came from Holland and then on from America. And out China, before they landed, they had a meeting and they signed what is called the Mayflower Compact that we're going to serve God. We'll have certain godly rules and we'll live by those. And we're going to have freedom to worship God like we couldn't do in the old country. And even in Maryland, though it was settled primarily by Catholic leaders and poor Catholics, it was so they might re have religious freedom. And I want Catholics to have freedom too. And Rhode Island, you remember, founded, and the first time it is said where Baptist churches were organized in America, perhaps it was, at any rate, and there they made it true you to serve God and all through the colonies. And there came a tendency. Now in Virginia, ah, Virginia is the aristocracy, and largely came from England. And the Anglican or Episcopal Church was the a state church of England. So they said, let's make it a state church here. And um, so yonder two Baptist preachers got out preaching the gospel, and somebody said, you're not ordained by the Anglican Church? No, sir. And uh, you don't sign the 39 articles? And not? No. Well, you can't preach. But he went on preaching anyhow. And they were arrested and came to court. And, and uh, uh, Patrick Henry came to their defense. And as the Lord, he stood and said, and of what are these men charged? Not of treason, not of murder, not of theft, not of wrong anybody. Of what are these men charged? They're charged with preaching the gospel of the Son of God. Great God, he said. And the jury turned them loose. And Virginia decided, like the other states, that have religious freedom. I'm just saying America has a Christian heritage. And so, now they won uh, George Washington. And, uh, and those, that little colonial bunch of ill-fed and ill-clothed soldiers. And sometimes they left the marks of bloody feet without shoes as they walked through the snow. And they met at Valley Forge and, and camped in there. And the British surround most of the uh, cities, Philadelphia and others. And there they camped and George Washington goes out to kneel in the snow and takes off his hat and, and bows his head and begs God to spare, begs God to help. And by strange series of circumstances and missteps on the part of our British rulers and, uh, and uh, commanders, and by the great courage and the blessing especially of God, at last um, uh, the, uh, uh, the Cornwallis was hemmed up on a peninsula and his army was captured, and at last uh, uh, peace was signed. Now the group got together and said, now we must have a united uh, government. And they got together. And York said, Kate, I'm, not going to, I'm going to make my own money. I'm going to have my own uh, customs and taxes and uh, uh, borders. And uh, Virginia said the same. The others, and they fussed and argued. How are we going to get together? Everybody state wanted to hold on to its own authority. And one day, Benjamin Franklin arose and said, He said, gentlemen, we've been here labored these days and without decision. He said, if, um, if not a sparrow can fall to the ground without the eye of Almighty God, 
How can we expect that a great nation can arise except by his help? I suggest, he said, that we go to prayer. And so they did. Oh, they said Benjamin Franklin was a deist, and maybe he wasn't as fundamental in some things, but he believed there's a God, a God who rules over nations, a God to whom we're appealing. And so they united and got together and formed that, that, that group of states into them, into what now became the United States. It is said that during those constitutional convention times, uh, yonder came a man from South Carolina, and he visits. He goes down there to Faneuil Hall and the, uh, that dependent's house, and uh, they're meeting. And, and so he said, I want to see George Washington. Which one is George Washington? And another fellow said to him, you watch now. He said, when they go to prayer, the tall man with gray hair that always kneels down. The others may bow their head, but he'll buy, get by his chair and kneel on the floor. That's George Washington. Ah, we have a heritage. What fools we are if we throw it to the winds, or if we ignore it, or if we blaspheme it. Yes, and so now we're going to have a Declaration of Independence. And so in this Declaration of Independence, they declare that, um, that God himself gives us certain inalienable rights, and we're forming this government under the hand of God. And... Uh, all right, were you going to have institutions in the reverend? Oh, yes. So we're going to have, when you elect a president, he's going to take an oath of office on the Bible. When you have a Congress, going to have a Senate, going to have a chaplain there, start every day with prayer, every session with prayer. House of Representatives, have a chaplain, have prayer in there. You have armed services? Yes, sir. They've got an army, whatever, whatever battalion or regiment, you're going to have a chaplain, or somebody to lead the spiritual matters and give the spiritual needs of the people. Oh, we can't have, they said, uh, make it a denominational church business. We're not going to say everybody's got to be a Catholic or a Baptist or a Methodist or Assembly of God or Presbyterian or, or a Christian. No, no, we're not, not that. Not a union of church and state. We're going to have to have independence. But America is to be a Christian nation. And our heritage was as distinctly Christian as was that of Israel. And so blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And so, well, they said, now we're going to make it so that we'll encourage religion. What did they do? Well, in the first place, a um, uh, uh, preacher, a uh, gospel minister will have a right to perform marriage ceremonies. And what else? And uh, uh, church will be tax-free. All right? Yes, sir. Why? Because America is intended to be a holy climate, a happy climate for godly religion of Jesus Christ. We have a great heritage. Thank God for it. And so then the time will come. And uh, we, we can say, of course, there's the tragedy of the Civil War. But there's some glory shine out in that. Although my people were Confederates, of course, and my grandfather a captain in the Confederate Army, and my uncle Matt was a spy in the Army of Virginia. I say yes, but uh, I can say thank God for Abraham Lincoln who went again and again to prayer. And when the, in the cabinet meeting somebody said, let's pray that God will be on our side. He said, no, let's pray that we'll be on God's side. And so there came a time, a climax, and let us be glad America is one nation. Uh, but in the South, you ought to know Robert Ely, great Christian man, man of prayer, though he said the greatest word in the English language is duty, duty. And there was Stonewall Jackson, my <laughs> fighting Presbyterian, but a godly man of prayer. And so we look back on a great heritage and we'd be fools if we didn't hold on to it. 
and the schools. Did you know that all the great universities in America were founded for the training of preachers, Bible-believing preachers? Harvard? Yes, sir. Yale? Yes, sir. And uh, Brown University? That was a Baptist school for that. And Northeast, uh, Northwestern? A Methodist uh, university. University of Chicago? A Baptist university for training preachers. Did you know that? Did you know that even D.L. Moody once enrolled in what is now the University of Chicago and was in the seminary to take training? We do not have a record whether he finished any courses, but he enrolled there once. Oh, I'm saying our heritage. Oberlin University, founded by... Uh, that great preacher, Finney, was it? And so with so many others. Ah, uh, my, we ought to rejoice that a great heritage gone wrong in lots of places, but God starts over with other schools and so on. Did you know there was a time, that what was the greatest reading matter in which everybody learned to read in America? Uh, the McCuffey readers. And you ought to have them either moral and godly way they taught principles and character. And then... Um, uh, you know, when they taught people to read, they learned A is for Adam, and B is for Balaam, the false prophet, and C is for Caleb, who said, I want that mountain. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they learned to read by things in the Bible. Oh, what a heritage, and how foolish, and how wicked if we ignore it, or slight it, or profane it. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And the churches. I know, I know. Ah, uh, I think of Whitfield preaching down at Market and Chester Streets in Philadelphia. I've stood at that corner. And uh, Benjamin Franklin heard Whitfield preach, and he was amazed at the way that great voice carried Whitfield, the English evangelist, preaching. And he figured out, he stepped it off. Benjamin Franklin, what a mathematician, what a scientist. So he stepped it off both ways, and he figured that 30,000 people could stand within hearing, and uh, most of them did, of that great voice of Whitfield there. And uh, uh, people believed the Bible. People believed the Bible the old time. Heroes, they did. Old time. And so it was when Asbury and Coke came to start the Methodist Church in America. So it was with Peter Cartwright, pioneer preacher. So it was with Earl, with Earl Baptist Evangelist, and on down through the years till we got to the days of, of Peter Wolf and Bill Sunday and Gypsy Smith and Sam Jones and others. I'm just saying we've got a great heritage, have we? Now, what will we do about our heritage to get America back to God? First, we'll have to start in the home. We'll have, we must have godly homes. That's why I lay on your heart now, before you go from this place, in Jesus' name, I'd make a holy vow. I'm going to have a daily time of Bible reading and prayer with my family. I'll set up an altar with reverence to God in the home. I mean spiritually an altar. I mean a time set apart. And uh, when everybody's supposed to be there, and we read the Bible together and have a circle of prayer together. If you don't do that, you're not a good Christian. Your home's not really Christian if you don't take time for the Bible. Don't you remember Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God? Matthew 4, 4. Well, if you don't have time every day with the Bible, you're not a good Christian. And, oh, my man called me a broken-hearted man one night, long distance, a few months ago, way toward midnight, called from another state, and he said, Dr. Rice, what am I going to do? I called Dr. Jerry Faulkner, Chattanooga. He said, Call Brother John Rice. He said, what am I going to do? He said, my girl's only 15 and she's already pregnant. What will I do? 
Well, I told him about a home for unwed mothers, but my heart was broken over that and over 10,000 other girls that grew up with no discipline and dates without chaperones and, and a home without any prayer, Bible reading, or discipline. That might be your girl, and it will be. I'm shocked to find coming out of so-called Christian homes uh, hippie boys and dope heads and uh, school dropouts and draft card burners and, uh, and that kind of business. And uh, uh, how can God bless you with a form of religion without any godliness, without any power? And if you don't have it in your home, you haven't got it, bud. If you're not a good Christian back at home, you're not a good Christian, period. And that's where a bit of sorry. Oh, in the home, in the home. I'd say, God helping, I'm going to have a family altar and read the Bible with my family. And everybody, everybody's got to take part and listen and pray. Joshua said that. Joshua said, it's for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. Every man's got uh, a little backbone, a little gristle in his craw, and uh, so on, and a little holy determination and godly character. You can say it, too, if you mean it. You can have it. You ought to do it, and godly women will help. Not only that, you're going to have to have authority in the home. You know what's the trouble in schools? No authority. We've taken away the authority in order to please a minority. And I'm, you understand, I'm for desegregation as far as we can go uh, in kindness and godliness without forcing everybody to do things what they ought not to, what don't think they ought to do. But I'm saying, but because a minority raises Cain and opposes police, and so you can't chastise anybody, you can't discipline anybody for rowdiness now. And so you have raping in the halls and teachers held up with guns and fist fights and knife fights and, and dope in the pockets in the high schools. We better bring our schools back to God. We better have schools back to God. Now the sad, here's a book on the market just come out in which a man says that a public schools have had it. Well, maybe they have. I don't know. Let's say this. America had better establish this. If we can, the time will come if we mean business. Maybe we can make it so the Supreme Court will make it so we can have prayer again. The Bible in the public schools. And maybe we can make it get away from this wicked philosophy that came from Columbia University that you mustn't whip anybody. You mustn't, oh, you mustn't curb anybody's natural abilities and so on. And the wicked old Dr. Spock, the infidel and the enemy of America that taught you mustn't whip babies. Uh, maybe we can get away from that and get back to Bible kind of homes in this country and so in the schools. But we're going to have to have Christian schools and we're going to have to see our children grow up where they believe the Bible and read the Bible and have prayer and ask God's blessing. And not any, you can't have any real education without any real discipline, without any real respect for authority. You know that? You think about respect in the home. Um, uh, the scripture says in Hebrews 12, our fathers... Uh, they ruled us, and we did them reverence. You mean reverence for your own father? That's right. Uh, some very fool, people fool us. Write articles and say, I don't believe in calling the preacher reverend. I don't care whether you call me reverend or not. I prefer the term Brother Rice, and a lot of people call me Dr. Rice. I have three or doctor's degrees, but I'm just saying I don't care about that. But uh, reverend, nothing wrong with calling me reverend if you feel reverently toward a leader. Are you reverent? Uh, we reverence our fathers, the Bible says. Did you know that a wife in Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible says, Husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And there was the wife see that she reverence her husband. Uh, yeah. So it wouldn't hurt you wives to go home and say, uh, Reverend so-and-so <laughs> to your husband. Or at least you ought to feel that way about it. Uh, our brother... Uh, Dr. Alvin Byers was given a doctor's degree, well earned uh, uh, this honor uh, in a recent commencement. 
But he went home, and Bobby and uh, his little boy and girl, they said, Now, do we have to call you a doctor, Daddy? <laughs> well, they're they going to have to have reverence for Dad and the wife reverence for her husband and a pupil reverence for the teacher. That's God's way. No, that's God's way. We better come back where the uh, teachers run the school, not the students. We better come back where, as Dr. Isles said, where instead of holding the dean hostage, why the dean holds the students hostage. You know, better come to black where, don't ask kids how to, what the dads ought to do. Let's ask dad what the kids got to do. That's right. And then, you know, I'm then with the dad with a good uh, a ping pong paddle or a uh, uh, razor strap or a trace chain or a bed slatter, whatever necessary, he ought to get it. Yeah? Now, you listen to me. If we don't get some principle and character back in the homes, America's gone. And it's going to go in the schools. And you won't have it in the schools if you don't have it home. The kid who uh, talks disrespectfully about the old man and, uh, and uh, snarls at his mother, he's the guy who's going to hate the teacher and carry him after school and get in the dope business and so on. If you don't have it home, you don't have it anywhere. That's right. And then we're going to have to take it into the government, too. Um, you say, well, politics. Now, I know. You know what's the matter of politics? Human beings. Human beings, that's the trouble. That's the trouble. Yes, sir. And since you've got human beings, you've got human errors and so on and so forth. That doesn't mean that the principle of democracy isn't right. And doesn't mean that America wasn't founded with great inheritance of, of godly Christian attitudes and principles. And we ought to maintain those. Uh, so we still have human beings, so sometimes we'll have trouble. Now, as far as I'm concerned, I was not too much distressed that somebody... Uh, put up some eavesdroppings. Uh, I want to eavesdrop in on uh, um, a candidate that supported partner of the communists, and we maybe all know about it. May, I think that was wrong. Break-in was wrong. I do not think it was desperate. Nobody got hurt. Nothing was stolen. And I, I don't think that them, I think that I'm more distressed because the president and the tapes and the, now and then there was an expletive taken out. They said expletive. So I don't think the president ought to cuss. But is my president still... That's right. And he's your president. That's no, he's God's president, too. That's right. And you may differ with him and may favor where. Yeah, that's right. Of course, uh, everybody, but Brother Lynn and I uh, would have done just as bad as he did. But you and I, we might have run it all right, Brother Lynn, he reckoned. Uh, but somebody would have found some trouble of that, too. Uh, I'm just saying, all right, so I can find things with which I differ with the president. But in my president... I could find things maybe which I differ about the administration of, uh, of the sheriff's or the police work here or the mayor's office or uh, of the state of Tennessee. I All right, so what? It's still true. The powers to be are ordained of God. And while I might differ, I must, if I'm going to be a Christian, I must differ respectfully. I must differ with proper reverence for authority that God would. And so if I should get in an argument with Mayor Mesbrook, I hope I never will. <laughs> He's a good friend. Uh, but if I should get in an argument, and then I'll, <laughs> I'll say to him, well, um, uh, Reverend uh, Westbrook, uh, Minister of God, <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, uh, you're going to have to have, you can't have any re honest re respect for God unless you respect the people God puts in authority. You know that? Well, it's a, it's a public and we the voters. Yeah, I know, but I don't make you so you're like God and you still obey what the Bible says. You know, Paul one time in Acts chapter 23, he was called in for the Sanhedrin. 
And uh, they are on trial because they preach the gospel now and so on. And so Paul said, from my childhood, I've tried with an honest heart to follow God. And uh, a high priest said, slap him in the mouth. And they did. And Paul said, God smite you, you whitewashed sepulcher. And somebody says, Paul, you talk that way to the high priest. Oh, he said, I didn't know he was a high priest. For it's written, thou shalt not revile the ruler of thy people. So although the man deserved uh, uh, the words, yet Paul ought not to have said them to one in authority. You know that? Yeah. So, right, so you, you, you're not, um, the right kind of Christian is going to respect authority. No. Some people foolishly, and I think uh, partly in ignorance and partly in wickedness. Because they say Jesus was a rebel. No, Jesus was a law-abiding citizen toward God and toward the laws of the land. That's right. And you're not going to be a good Christian if you can't fit into God's society. You don't have to love all the things of this world's society. And you're not to be conformed to the things of this world as far as this, uh, uh, this civilization, moral patterns and such of this world. But as the authority that God put over us in the church and the home, in the school and in the government. You're going to be a good Christian. You're going to have to say, all right, I'm going to be a good Christian about that. Respect for authority. Reverence for God put over us. That's right. You say, do I have to vote for anybody? I don't know. You don't have to vote for somebody you don't like or don't believe in. You're going to have to be respectful for him, though, if you're a good Christian. Yes, sir. As long as somebody else elects him, he's still a minister of God to thee for good. That's what God said. All right, now we'll come back to what can we do? Oh, what can we do? Um, Israel was carried in captivity. We may be. I do not know what disaster may come to America. I'm distressed because uh, I'm somewhat of a student. I know this, uh, Mayor Westbrook, that we go on with, uh, with the government deficits that cannot be made and piling up, and the interest on the national debt, more than $30 billion a year, and piling up, and the interest on the national debt, more than $30 billion a year, and inflation going, and laborers insisting on higher wages, and uh, the have-nots depending on more welfare. As long as we have that, America is headed for destruction. If we don't call a halt, get to paying honest bills. We're piling up billions of dollars of debt that our grandchildren cannot pay unless there's a great change. And what that means, I do not know. It would normally mean, after a while, repudiation of debt and the rise of some strong men to take charge and that said rather have a dictator and things decent than order and law instead of having all this mess. And so they come along a dictator to change in government and liberty gone. I do not know what will happen. I know this. America is sure better turn back to God. How are we going to do it? Israel was carried into captivity and Ezekiel met by the river and Shebar and the elders of Israel mourned. And Ezekiel, a prophet of God, felt bad. God turned his back on his people over here. And I do not know whether they blame God or not, but God said, Ezekiel, I'm going to show you something. So the scripture says that the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord took him by the hair of his head, <laughs> in a spiritual picture, and took him back to Jerusalem, announced before the captivity. You want to see what's behind the scenes? All right. 
to take him back there. I want you to see. You come into the area of the court of the temple. Yeah. See that image of jealousy? You see that big idol to a heathen God to put here in the very court of the house of God? And you wonder why I carried captivity? He said, wait a minute. Come over here at the wall on the north side. See the hole in the wall? Yeah. Dig in there. There's the door. Open the door. What is it? Go in there. All kinds of lewd pictures and every kind of idolatrous and lewdness and uh, dirty pictures. What are these? These are the imaginations in the heart of the rulers of the people, he said. You didn't know about that, did you? God said, that's why the captivity. He said, come here on top of the house and see the women. They're worshiping, uh, uh, what's that? They worship toward the Greek god Adonis or Hamas. Uh, and uh, uh, it's the goddess of sex and so on. That's like America with you girls, you women with your mini skirts and, uh, and bikinis and uh, a sexual revolution. And um, uh, half of the young girls are pregnant time they get married and that kind of awful wicked lewdness on the part of women and the men that allow it. And so, uh, so you see the women, I worship it, and you wonder why I brought you in captivity, he said. And I'll see the men, and their men are worshiping toward the sun. Uh, toward the powers of this world and uh, making a living and keeping in step and so on. Now God said, uh, all right, I'm going to show you. You thought Nebuchadnezzar's army destroyed Jerusalem, didn't you? Yes, and so it did outwardly. Let me show you behind the scenes, God says. So it called and here came uh, here six uh, angels uh, with slaughter weapons in their hands. And there is another angel with a white linen garment and an ink horn by his side. And the Lord said to the angel with the white linen garment and the ink heart, Go through the city, and everywhere you find some of them sighs and cries for the abominations here, put a mark on the forehead. And the man, that angel comes back and said, It's done. All the way from the ancients in the house of God and everywhere. All right. Now I said to the Go through the city and slay, and begin at my house, where they've got that the idol image. And begin with the old men as well as the young, and don't spare men nor maidens till you clean out all except those with a mark on the part. You know what God wants? I think God some, wants somebody with a holy heart that's broken over the sins around us. I think God wants somebody with a holy concern and burden to stay awake at night to pray and to plead with people to do right and preachers in the pulpit who preach with old-fashioned further condemning sin, calling people to repentance. Oh, for God to raise up a generation that sigh and cry after God and over the abomination of sin. Well, let's have some honest individual repentance. You know, uh, uh, Daniel prayed. He said, Lord, both I and my father's house have sinned. We've done wickedly. We haven't kept thy commandments. We didn't hearken to thy judgments and so on. Ah, so why don't you confess the sins of Israel? I, my part, my father's part. My neighbor's part, my country's part, it's my country. I'm some way accountable. I'm some way tainted with the same brush. Oh, God, let me be one to stand in the gap then and call America back to God and stand before God for America. Wouldn't that be good? Will you pray for America? Will you pray for America? Will you pray God to raise up Christian citizens? Listen to me. Unless you start the family altar in home and discipline in the home and God will respect for authority in the home, you can't do it. America's gone to hell without that. America's gone to hell without that. And God, why don't men stay here like Joshua says, for me and my house will serve the Lord. Oh, no, hope America is not. that suddenly be some great reversal in the Congress and great reversal in the nationwide impact of the movies and the, and the TV. No, no. The reversal is going to have to come 
from a bunch of godly people that start burning the fires of prayer in the night and weeping when other people are asleep and pleading for God and going out house to house to win the souls and we'll be standing in the gap for Jesus standing in the gap to save America so it ought to be you've been kind to come it's a blessed blessed time I want you to remember the powers that be are ordained of God we sang God bless America can we sing America Bill Harvey before we go Give us sing America, and uh, let's say I'm going to set out to bring America. Let me put it this way. Before we sing that song, how many men here say, Brother, I sure right. We ought to have family altar, daily time of Bible reading and prayer. We had right after breakfast our house. We'd read a Bible. I'd read two verses, next two verses. Round we'd go around for a chapter. Next morning, another next chapter. And uh, then a circle of prayer. I wonder how many men say, Brother, I, I'd like to help save America. I'd like to start at home. I'd like to say, like Joshua is for me in my house, who serve the Lord. I'm going to set out to lead my family for God. You mean family altar? Yes. You mean discipline if you have children home? Yes, sir. All right. I wonder how many. Would you like to take that vow before God? Wouldn't that be right or not? You think I'm right? You think I'm right on this? All right. If anybody ought to, I ought to do it. If I ought to, you ought to. How many men say, Brother Rice, I'm going to seek time to have prayer and Bible reading at my house with my family? You men, will you say, God, help now stand upon that? Will you do that? All right, come on, will you? And you men stand up and say, I'm going to set out to have family altar and have a real Christian home for God. Isn't that right? No, we can't fix the whole nation. You're going to fix things at home first, and then you can fix some things. God, give us grace. How many women say, Brother Rice, I'm going to stand up with my husband. I'm for that. I'll help them. I'll make room for it. I'll join in. I won't fight about it. Uh, come on, stand away, ladies, will you? Can you stand up to enjoy, help that? That's right. That's right. I wonder how many children and young people and a widow who lives with their children and others who say, I can't speak for the whole family, but from my end of it, I'll join in to help have a Christian home wherever I live. You want to stand up for the children, young people, others? That's right. God bless you. God bless you. Dear Lord, give us hearts to do it. We pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, preachthebible.org.